0: Here in Matthew chapter 24, it starts out by telling us that the disciples went out. They wanted to show Jesus the temple. They've come out of the temple. They've gone outside, and they're showing them, you know, the temple with the courtyards and the porches and all that, all that is there. Mark points out in chapter 13, talks about what manner of stones these are. Josephus was, was a... Um, Oh, I've got a historian, a Jewish historian, and he tells us there were stones in this temple, pretty good-sized rocks. He says that they were 45 cubits in length, 5 cubits in height, 6 cubits in width. That means this is a carved-out stone. They've gone in and hand-carved out, 70 feet long, 8 feet high, 10 feet wide. we got a disco show going on up here. Man, y'all got them new lights. Y'all having a good time with them things, ain't you? So so a uh, pretty good sized stone, you consider they had to do everything by hand, carved it out by hand, probably used some oxen, drug it up, and and put it in place there. But Luke says in chapter 21, verse number 5, that some spake of the temple how it was adorned with goodly stones. They weren't just carved out well, but they some of them were pretty stones, and they had all kinds of paintings and drawings and things on them to make this building look magnificent. So... The disciples are sitting there. They're in awe of this building, and they're talking about it here in our, in our text in Matthew chapter 24, in verse number 2. It says that Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be one left here, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, he says, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Look down, if you would, a couple, I want to look at two scriptures real quick. Look at verse number 42, still there in chapter 24. Jesus said, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Turn over to chapter 25, look at verse number 13. Jesus again said, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I want to look for just a few minutes at the disciples' question, when will these things be? God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for the children, God. Thank you they come up and sing about God is good. Thank you that the choir would come up and sing, God, what an incredible song. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. Every good day, every bad day, everything, when I look back, Lord, we can all stand here and say, I see the evidence of your goodness. Father, I pray right now would you move in this place. I pray for your sweet Holy Spirit to fall in here. Speak to each one of us, God. I pray you'd move mountains. I pray you'd break chains, God. I pray you'd mend broken things. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be accomplished here, Lord. I ask you to move on the hearts of your people. Do what only you can do and speak to each one individually. God, we pray most of all, may you be pleased with everything that happens in this place. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, today people are so caught up everybody wants to know the future everybody's concerned about what's happening and and what's (coughs) going to go on there there's this desperate attempt to know i remember back in my younger days the magic eight ball and we talked about that before anybody ever you know the magic eight ball anybody remember when they come out that's going to tell your age (laughs) and and you know you you ask it questions they give you so all it was was a desire to know the future. I understand now. I, I thought I kind of wanted one of those things. I thought it was pretty cool, but I can understand why my mom wouldn't get me something of such foolishness. I can understand why my mom didn't think I needed to be involved in stuff like that. If I wanted to know the future, it was already written, just read it. You know, we we're in a we're in a time today, you look at the rise of the sale of things like Ouija boards, tarot cards, those fortune telling cards. The rise and sells and stuff, that, that's nothing but people's desire to know the future. They, they want to they they know what's gonna happen. They see all this going on, but it's amazing to me that the one who created time, the one who was before time, the one who began time, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's not the beginning of God, that's the beginning of the heavens and the earth. God has no beginning. So it's amazing to me the one who has no beginning, is not bound by time, began time, will end time, knows everything beyond after time, and then knows everything. He wrote a book. And the book explains the future of the redeemed and the lost in detail. It tells us about all of eternity, where we're going to be. It may not tell me exactly what my tomorrow may hold, but it tells me exactly who holds my tomorrow. And it tells me that I don't have to worry about things that are beyond my control because the one who holds it holds me. So there's a book with all the answers written, but that's not what people want to read. They they, they want want to put that off as as something historical, but it's amazing to me. We dig up bones to try to find out historical artifacts, but then they want to throw off on the Bible and talk about it's just a historical book. So why does part of history matter and the other part doesn't? I can tell you why it's called spiritual deception. And that's what we're living at in this world. Spiritual deception. Jesus in John chapter number 12 said in verse number 35, He said, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness, knoweth whither he goeth. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake. Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because I, that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. That they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted that I should heal them. In our text there in those last couple of verses that, that we read, Jesus starts out with the word watch. That word watch comes from a Greek word, and I had it in there, but I can't pronounce it, so I just took it back out. It means to keep awake. You know, if I can't say it, I don't need to try to, right? So it it means to to watch. It means to be vigilant in watching. Well, if we would truly be vigilant in watching, how do we watch? Well, one is read the Word of God. If we truly be vigilant in in reading the the Word of God and, and pay attention to the Word of God, we wouldn't be surprised by things. I was studying about being surprised by these things. And, and, you know, I I was looking at the crucifixion and thinking about Easter coming up and stuff. You know, the disciples never should have been surprised by the cross. The disciples should not have been surprised by that day. Jesus told them multiple times about what was going to happen to him and how he'd be taken and how he'd be condemned. He had the Last Supper. He told them, my body, which shall be broken for you, do this in remembrance of me, my Blood which is shed for remission of sin. As often as you do, do this in remembrance of me. He told them point blank things that was going to happen. But he said in Matthew chapter 26, you've got a two-chapter-long discussion of Jesus teaching. In Matthew 24 and 25, he's teaching. And after this two-chapter-long discussion, he opens up chapter 26, verse number 1. It came to pass, Jesus had finished all these sayings he said unto the disciples. You know that after two days, the feast of the past is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. That's about as point blank as you can get it. Jesus spent a lot of time trying to prepare the disciples for what was about to happen. God spent a whole lot more time trying to teach you and I about what's going to happen to make sure that we understand what's going to happen. Here in the text, the disciples, they're impressed by the temple, they're impressed by the building. Jesus went out departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And that's when he answered, seeing all these things, very last day you, there shall not one be left here, one stone upon another shall not be thrown down. He sat upon the mountain all his disciples came privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Jesus told them, don't get caught up in that. Don't don't get caught up in the building. Don't don't get caught up in all the pretty stuff. Don't get caught up in worldly things. Don't don't get caught up even in the temple here in earthly things. He said, this thing's going to be destroyed. And about 40 years later, that was so. Just that building, the one thing they were so caught up in. But in verse number 3, they they wanted a sign. They wanted to know, when will the end of times be? Jesus said, 24-4, take heed that no man deceive you down to verse number 23 then if any man say unto you lo here is christ or there believe it not for there shall arise false christ and false prophets and show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect behold i've told you before wherefore if they shall say unto you behold he is in the desert go not forth behold he's in the secret chambers believe it not for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So we see spiritual deception, but then Jesus says that there's going to be some disturbing events take place here on the earth. He says in verse number six that you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So we see spiritual deception there. We, we see false teachings. We see in that political confusion. We see military conflict in the wars. We see environmental disasters, volcanoes, earthquakes, and tidal waves. see all those things in it. We see pestilence and and famine. You know, we see shortage of food at the grocery stores. Famine, you know like when you can't go get a box of little Debbie's? I mean, when you can't go to two grocery stores and get little Debbie's, the world is coming to an end. My wife was excited when she come home from the store this week. Look what I got. Anybody know the the little Debbie Swiss rolls? Y'all the one been buying them up, ain't you? That's why I can't get none. Everybody knows them. They've been out. You, when you can't go get a little Swiss roll at the grocery store, that's a problem. Something's wrong. My wife comes in excited. Look what I got. I'm savoring those things. I'm opening a pack, eating one today instead of two, just to make sure I have them for a little while. But, but that's a problem. You know, you begin, you begin to see a shortage of things when you can't go... To the grocery store and widespread disease. Anybody notice? I'm sorry, I don't want to. I don't wanna make anybody nervous on that. But y'all notice that, that new COVID bug starting to show up in America, right? I mean, j- just so we know, that thing's not gone. We just that's what the that's what the shirt's about. Right? normal, normal ain't coming back. Y'all know we stole that saying from somebody. I don't know or care who it is, but Jesus is. Normal doesn't matter. I think the days of going to the grocery store is over and, and seeing everything like, you, you know how naive we are as people? This crooked, left-handed, upside-down government we got took gas from $2.50 a gallon to $5 a gallon so they could back it down to $3.80 a gallon and make us excited about they went up thirty a gallon. And we're happy because it come back down. Now, if they just went to three we'd still be complaining about it. I'm just telling you that there's some signs, there's some different things coming. I look at all this military conflict, political confusion. I look at the things that Jesus is talking about. It sounds like I'm watching the nightly news. We, we live in a country where our own political system is a disaster. The Greek philosopher Plato, he says that the penalty for refusing to be involved in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. We have got some inferior nutcases, making decisions in this country. We see things going on around the world in in the political realm. We see nations right now, they're they're striving for position. They're they're, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, I believe. See, I believe a lot of them are preparing for war, but they're talking peace. But then again, that's another prophecy, isn't it? When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. So they're talking out of one side, but I believe a lot of them are secretly preparing for something else. Revelation chapter 16, we see the benefits of watching. Jesus said, watch, watch, watch. Revelation 16, 15, he said, behold, I come as a thief. But look at what the scripture says. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Garments in the book of Revelation is a symbol of spiritual fullness. Those who are spiritually faithful will not be deceived. The garments that are described on on the children of God are as white robes. That's because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. We are spotless because of the blood of Jesus. All of our sin has been washed away. The truth is the Word of God spends about one-fourth of its pages talking about prophetic events. There's over 1,800 scriptures that talk about prophetic events. Over 300, nearly 350 of the New Testament scriptures are talking about prophetic events. It's telling us what the future is going to hold. The prophecies in the scriptures—they don't paint a picture of this world that's going to gradually get better. They're not painting a picture of a world that's going to gradually overcome sin. Gradually overcome global warming. Another lie from a bunch of nutcases up there. Gradually overcome all the things that's going on and become this safe haven paradise. It does not happen. The scriptures show us a place that, that it's going to be covered. It, it, the world is torn by hate. The, the world, everything around it has all this, this turmoil and, and, and bitterness. And, and it, it says that there's war and rumors of war. Famines and pestilences on a scale that only God can cure. Only God could save the human race at all. If man were left to himself, man would destroy this entire earth and mankind with it. If left to mankind, nothing would survive. Throughout the Word of God, we see these phrases like the last days or that day, the day or the day day of the Lord. All those are references to the return of Christ in 1860. He's, He's halfway right and halfway right. 1860, a French chemist by the name of marcel Lynn Berthelot. He said, within 100 years of physical and chemical science, man will know what the atom is. He got that part right, didn't he? He said, it's my belief that when science reaches this stage, God will come down to earth with this big ring of keys and say to humanity, gentlemen, it's closing time. See, he was right about the atom, but we can't make predictions Here in our text this morning on the Mount of Olives, the disciples sat there with Jesus, and they said, When? When is all this going to happen? When are you going to come? And Jesus warns against any attempt to try and set dates. Jesus characterizes the, the mental state of the world he, he says there'll be distresses upon the nations. Luke chapter 21 verse 25: There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. To be distressed is to be under pressure. I wonder if any governments are feeling that today. Oh, yeah. To to be distressed is bewildered. Now, because of Russia's foolish, criminal, barbaric actions. The entire world is under stress. But because of of their their foolishness and and their harshness, all of of the governments of of the nation are are being perplexed. You know, H.G. Wells said if we don't get rid of war, then war is going to get rid of us. Well, if God wasn't in control, that would be the case. And war will eventually end it all. But again, all you got to do is read the book. We already know about the last war. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Jesus wins. We're with him. God smites the nations of the earth. We don't have to do anything but watch. And we win. I I read an article this week. Russia and part of their foolishness popped off a little thread about nuclear weapons, right? Now, I read an article that said 80% of Americans are worried about a nuclear attack. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not in that 80%. I'm really not. I, I think one day somebody will be stupid enough to instigate a nuclear attack. But everybody else has nuclear weapons, too. I don't think anybody's going to be obliterated and not fire back what they got. So I don't know. Maybe that's the end of time when the earth is destroyed by fire and everything's made new again. I don't know. But I'm not really worried about that today. And, again, I'm not predicting those in the future. I don't know because we got, obviously, some tyrant Nut cases with authority over there, right? Yep. Who obviously have no regard whatsoever for human life. Yep. They're going through killing women and children and, and all civilians. Everything. So obviously there's some nut cases over there that don't care about life. So I obviously don't know. I'm just telling you, I'm not in the 80% that's worried about the nuclear attack. Jesus describes the generation before his coming as being under severe pressure. Severe Turmoil. Everywhere that we look in in the world, in the political realm, in in the wars going on, especially in, in the spiritual realm, the wickedness of man, the falling away from the church, the falling away from the things of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There is a continual falling away. Now, we look all the way back to COVID was the crutch, but a lot of people never got over the crutch. A lot of people never healed. So you see that this falling away. You you see the moral state of humanity. Jesus said, Luke chapter 17, verse 26, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. That's the return of Christ. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered unto the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. In other words, they just went on life as usual. They kept on going to the grocery store looking for the little Debbie cakes. They kept on buying houses and cars if you could find one. Can't even hardly find them on the sales lot now. They, they went on with life. Just going about what they're doing. They just, they just kept on doing what they do. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven to destroy them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know, in the days of Noah, the flood had a reason, right? God didn't just send it. It was because of the wickedness of man. It says in Genesis six eleven, the earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Still sounds like you're watching the nightly news. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. When the wickedness of man, when the sin and everything was so vain that it seems like there was no way out. Now, that part, I'm, I'm, I'm in the 80%. I believe that part. That sounds just like the world we're in today. When sin and Wickedness and the ruthless of man and the turning away from God and everything seems so vile that, that there seems to be no way out. But when will the end come? Well, Billy Graham said the end will come with the return of Christ. That's why a Christian can be an optimist. And that's why a Christian can smile. But here's the truth of the matter. This is what I want to leave here with this morning. i got about five or six minutes left. And we're going to get good and get lunch. Okay, y'all know that means 15. <laughs> but it sounded good. Here, here's the truth of the matter. And here, here's what I want us to take from leaving here. I wanted to title the message this. But if I did, everybody would start out with a question mark. If this was the title of the message, and somebody looked and out on live stream or YouTube, or some saw it in the morning. They either wouldn't watch it, or they would watch it. and They would start out skeptical, and you'd spend the first half of the message trying to win back because you started out on the wrong foot. But th- this is the main subject: When is Jesus coming back? Everybody wants to know, right? I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a projection. I'm going I'm going This is prophetic. Y'all ready? Everybody ready? When is Jesus coming back? You want to know it? doesn't matter. Jesus is coming. And he's coming to get the redeemed of the Lamb of God. He's coming to get the ones that are washed in the blood. But it doesn't change the fact that we have something to do now. Jesus said, watch. That don't mean sit around and watch. That don't mean go home, prop back on your porch, keep back and watch for it. That that means expect it. But be busy. Look forward. It's coming. But be about the Father's business. Be working in great expectation. It's not to be our main focus on when Christ will return, but what will I be found doing when He returns. It's not when is the Lord coming. It's what will I be doing when He shows up. Jesus gave us a lot of examples about Just showing up and and coming back. And people caught unaware. Remember, we looked recently at the servants that were given the talents. And the Lord came back. And then there was the ten that were given the pounds. And then the Lord came back. He talked about the ten virgins and how they came out to meet the bridegroom. And five brought oil and five didn't. And the five that didn't, when they went away, the bridegroom came. He said, be ready. Those that were prepared when Jesus came back. Those that were prepared when the bridegroom came. Matthew is just like Luke. He, recur- he records the same words that Jesus taught about the last days here in chapter 24. But in verse 37, he says, As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Knew not until the flood came, took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But then Matthew says, Two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. Verse 43 says, But know this, if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We all have talents. I said we all have talents. We, we all have a job to do. We all have assignments from God. God has given all of us things to do. Abraham Lincoln said, I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep on doing so until the end. All he says is in everything I do, I'm going to give it my best. Some people say, well, I, I don't have an assignment. I, I, God hasn't given me anything specific to do. I don't, I don't really know What I'm supposed to be doing, whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do every day, he told us that, Colossians 3.23, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto the men. See, the the truth is it doesn't matter when Jesus is going to return. What matters is we'll be found working faithfully in his return. What matters is that when he comes that we be found working that we be found praying, that we be found seeking. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that we be found seeking when he returns. I, I read this quote last week from Steve Jobs. Y'all remember it. I said for the past 33 years, this is what he said, 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning, I've asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And Whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Anybody tried that this week? I, I, I try practicing what I preach. I told y'all several months ago, start out your morning when you wake up, first thing you do after you look at the clock and see what time it is. Say, good morning, Father. Thank you for this day. Before I get out of this bed, God, help me on this day to be pleasing to you. No matter what comes my way, Help me before my feet hit the floor today, God, before I get out of this bed. Help me to make this day count for you. But I've tried to add to it based on this text. When you go in there to strike a toothbrush and get in front of that mirror, you look in that mirror, what I'm about to do today. See, I've had to modify this a little bit because his says, if today were the last day, I would do what I'm about to do, and whenever the answer is no for too many days in a row, I, I, I know I need to, to change something. Well, I've had to modify it a little bit to fit my own life. For, for me, when I look in the mirror, the question is, if Jesus were to return today, would I want to be doing what I'm about to do today? Not, not for too many days in a row. Not if the answer is no for too many days in a row. If the question is, if Jesus comes today, Do I want him to find me doing what I'm about to do? And if the answer is no, then change today. Not not too many days in a row. Don't waste this one because he might come today. And I don't want to be found in a no. So I just wonder if it's a challenge anybody else wants to take. But I'm telling you, it'll make you think about your day. It'll make you think about what you're doing. You've asked God to bless you before you ever got down there. Martin Luther King said, well, Martin Luther King Jr., He said, whatever your life's work is, do it well. A man should do his job so well that the living, the dead, and the unborn child could do it no better. If we do everything that we do as though we're doing it for the Lord, are we not going to give it our best? If you were doing something for Jesus, he personally calls you up on your cell phone." Y'all think was like wrestling telecalls, you'd hang up on him, right? If he personally called you on your cell phone, he hired you to do a job, would you not make sure that job was as close to perfect as you could possibly get it? Building a house, painting a car, painting a house, sewing. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whatever your specialty, whatever your job, in your job, if Jesus called you in the morning and said, I want you to do this at your job for me today. Would that, and would you not try to make that the very best one you've ever made? That's the way we ought to approach every day. That's the way we ought to do. You know, Benny Tate said, he quoted somebody at that conference we went to, he said, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. Y'all, y'all ain't got it yet. If it's done by a Christian... It ought to be done better, not better work, but with a pureness of heart. We ought to be better at work. We ought to be a better example. We ought to be a better people. And if Jesus comes back today, are we fulfilling that? And we, we, we live in a world messed up to say the least. It's not just, it's not just wicked and evil, but we, we live in a world today that, that, that is anxious People are are, are nervous, people are uptight, people are scared, people people are looking for answers. I mean, it is what it is. You you take people with no hope. You know, we use that that verse a lot at funerals when Paul writes about as others which have no hope. There are people out there who have no hope. They see those empty spots on the grocery store shelves. It makes them nervous. They see the things about the wars. They see the things on the news. It it makes them afraid. "But, But we're not as others which have no hope. We know that God holds us and God holds the future. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. All we have to do is give our best every single day. We want to know what the future holds? You don't need a magic eight ball. You just need to read it. It starts out in the beginning and it ends with amen. And everything in it is profitable and useful, given for reproof, for correction, for correction to help us, to teach us, to guide us. Every answer is in there. Oh, we may not think it is. How's the answer going to help? How's that going to help me with my marriage? How's that going to help me with, with my finances? How's that going to help me with my work? Well, if you read it, you find out if you started a long time ago, you probably wouldn't be where you are. Or, or, if you're where you are, don't be afraid because God's about to do something great in your life. See, you don't have to be in sin for God to put you in a spot, right? You don't have to be living in sin for for God to allow you to be in a hard situation. God just loves us so much that he teaches us. And sometimes when he puts us in tight spots, anybody in here ever been in a tight spot in any kind of way? Anybody in here in that tight spot, you did not pray more than normal? Anybody in here in those bad times, and in those tight situations, or during that sickness, you didn't bombard the throne room more often than normal, pray more earnestly than normal, seek God more than normal, read the book more than normal. Sometimes God lets us go through stuff just because he wants us to get a little closer to him. And he lets us go through some stuff just so we'll slide right up next to him and he can love on us a little bit. Well, that's all free. But if we just read the book, and live each day like today is the day that Jesus is going to return. If we live each day like today is the day that Jesus is going to return, then whether he does or not doesn't matter. Because that day would have been lived for the glory of God. Everything that we did, we lived in the fullness of expectation that Christ is coming back today. And I want to be, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found working. Band, where are you guys at? Come, come on up. Marie, Marie Currie, she said, I have no idea who she is. Y'all okay with that? She might be a heathen, I don't know. I usually look somebody up before I share a quote from them, I do, but I I didn't look this one up because it doesn't matter. I like what she said in the quote. She said, you can't build a better world without improving the individuals. Pretty good quote, doesn't matter who said it, ain't it? You can't build a better world without improving the individuals. Same thing's true in the church. We can't build a better church without improving the individuals. Now, here's the deal. That individual is me. I can't make a better you. And you can't make a better me. If you could, you already would have. The only, the only thing that that applies to is the person in the mirror. Can't build a better world till i build a better me. If everything that we do, we do is under the Lord, then everything we do, we'll do right. We'll love people differently. We'll serve differently. We'll treat people differently if everything we do is under the Lord. And then we don't have to be nervous. Nobody has to be nervous about Jesus coming back. If we're a child of God, if you're washed in the blood and you're a child of God, And you're living each day faithful to when God comes back. You're going to be excited when you see him. Amen. I have you guys bow your heads for just a minute. One simple question. If Jesus came back today, are you counted in the number? If he came back right now, would you go with the family of God or would you be left behind? That's the only question that matters. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've heard this message and you're left behind. You will be sent a strong delusion. You will receive the mark. You will not go to the kingdom of God. It's all scripture. But today is a day you can change eternity. You want to know what your future holds? It's simple. Trust Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Have all your past washed away and all your future is changed. You become a child of the King. Jesus is going to prepare a place for you that where he is, there shall you be also. But it starts with you. Father, forgive me for I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul in the precious holy name of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about your choice, your decision. It's a free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you want the gift, you have to reach out and take it. And the gift is enough. Trust Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Surrender your heart to Him today. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, Father. for finding a way to to make us usable for your kingdom, for your glory. God, I pray for this group of people right here, Father. I I pray, God, you'd help each one of us, God, to be pleasing to you. I pray you'd help us live this day pleasing to you, God. We're about to do He's Alive. Play, practice, God. I I pray. I I don't want practice anymore, and I just want church as usual, Father. I'm asking you, if you would, Father, may your Holy Spirit invade this place at practice today. May we feel your presence in here, God. May you help us to be the character of people we've never met. Father, I pray you'd move in here today. I pray you'd go with your people as they go out to eat or all the things that they do. Father, I pray in the days and weeks to come, if Lord Jesus, if you're tearing and you don't come get us, may we look in the mirror each day and evaluate the day before we start. May we look in the mirror and ask you honestly, Lord, is what I'm about to do today going to please you? And if it's not, give us a correction before the day ever starts that we might live each day pleasing to you, God. We love you, Father. You've been so good to us. We just want to please you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.